Oregon football loses cornerback Jalen Davies to the transfer portal, and there's a path for Oregon basketball to get into the NCAA tournament. With two games left in the regular season, conference tournament next week. What exactly is that path? How does everything have to play out for Dana Altman's squad to get into the big dance? We discuss all of that today on Locked on Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked on Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster, lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen every single weekday. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. If you want a question answered here on the show, which will happen in an upcoming segment because a listener, DM me on Twitter at smalls underscore 55. You can hit me up there or at Locked On Ducks, or you can tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod. You get a question answered right here on on the show that will be in an upcoming episode. But I, uh, right off the top, have to start, as always, like and subscribe. If you haven't already, YouTube, wherever you're listening to the show on podcasts, we're free and available on all platforms, all that sort of good stuff. Five-star reviews, we like those. We like nice comments as well. If you uh, if you feel that way about the show, if you don't like me, eh, that's okay. But uh, first off, right off the top today, very important. I got to take a, a little bit of an L here and shout out to the YouTube person who uh, who commented and corrected me. It is not Liko Nico Lama Leava. It's Nico Iyama Leava. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I was uh, thrown off there by the uppercase I and my brain took it as an L. And you know what? We all make mistakes. I do, you do, we all do, and I'm not immune from them. So that's that's okay. So thank you, person on YouTube who commented that. And if I ever make another mistake or you think I have, feel free to contact me. I am I'm not some godlike figure up here. I'm just a person who loves the ducks, talking about them for your enjoyment. And I want to be accurate. Always want to be accurate. So Nico Iamaleava is the uh, is the quarterback. I hope I'm pronouncing that. Iamaleava. I don't know that, but starts with an I, not an L. Got that corrected. So Jalen Davies is in the transfer portal. After I talked yesterday about how the Ducks really haven't been hit that hard by the portal, it could be a lot worse. You know, there have been a couple starters that have left, but nothing too drastic. Then this morning, as I record this on uh, Wednesday morning, it is announced that Jalen Davies is in the portal for the Ducks. Do I need to take an L again on the announcer's jinx? I'm going to go with no on that one because. Yesterday on the show, I talked about how, you know, Josh Pate brought up something that that I've talked about on this show, which is Oregon hasn't actually lost a, a huge influx of talent to the transfer portal this offseason, which is pretty remarkable considering we've undergone a coaching change. That's a that can lead to a mass exodus of players for some schools. It hasn't been the case for Oregon. You always expect players to leave. But it really hasn't been that bad. And, and the answer, I think, is no to the uh, the announcer's jinx there, which uh, this is a very real thing. I believe in it. I've, I've seen it. I've done it before. It happens to the best of us. And I don't think that this is a super high-impact departure. In fact, I know that it's not in terms of what he showed us on the field from this past season because Jalen Davies only played in two games. Now, what's being lost here for the Ducks is the potential player he could have become under Dan Lanning and this defensive-oriented staff with uh, with our rock star defensive coordinator, former defensive coordinator as a head coach. Jalen Davies is a guy that 
I think we as Duck fans coming into this season, you know, which is still many months away, but don't worry, we'll get there. Football will return, I promise. He's a guy who we had our eye on for for DBs, which is definitely a question mark going into 2022 on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's one of the biggest question marks on the roster because you're losing Mikhail Wright and DJ James from last year's team. Those are your two starting corners. You lose a first-team All-American at free safety in Verone McKinley. That's a lot of production. That's just, it's a lot of talent. It's a lot of production. It's a lot of playing time. It's just a lot is being replaced there. And even with Davies going away, I, I think overall the DB room is is in a pretty good spot. But Davies was uh, you know, 5'11", 175 pounds. He was a four-star prospect from Modern Day High School, which produces a lot of really talented players. On 24-7, he was ranked as the 10th best cornerback recruit in the country. So he's a pretty heralded guy. And he was the second highest rated defensive back Oregon had in the class of 2021. That was the highest rated recruiting class in Oregon football history. And he was uh, second only to Avante Dickerson. The other DBs, uh, Damon David, Jeffrey Bassa, Darren Barkins, and uh, Avante Dickerson was the highest rated. And, you know, it's, it's worthy of note that Davies... You know, not a guy who you ever want to see the program, but I don't think this is really all that surprising of a move. But he he is a guy who who came in as a four-star. I, I gave you the accolades a moment ago. Decent-looking recruit. Showed some really nice moments in one of the two games he played in, in the Alamo Bowl when he had three tackles. I thought he was doing some nice things. Thought he could perhaps compete for a cornerback position. But he also came into college with a lower overall rating than Jalil Tucker and Jalil Florence, who Oregon added in this previous, uh, in this most recent recruiting cycle, which is not technically done. There's still a couple of uh, stragglers out there that Oregon could go out and get, but we'll see how that uh, all plays out. A little bit more on Jalen Davies today after I tell you that March Madness, only a few weeks away, everybody. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this, this year. Are you going for the usual or are you going for the best? We're running here at Locked On with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at RunYourPool.com slash LockedOn. While you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Badness, great promo code, at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Jalen Davies was a guy who could have become a good player. There's no doubt about it. You don't get these sorts of uh, accolades coming out of high school by accident. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really happen. But is this move really all that surprising, even though there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Oregon secondary? I actually think the answer is no. Not because he's not good, right? He certainly could be. I'm sure he'll go find a, another school and turn into a starting caliber corner, which is what he can certainly become. But Oregon quietly has kind of loaded up the DBs. <laughs> you know, in, a, in an offseason where we don't know exactly who the starters are going to be, there are just a lot of bodies in that room who are really, really talented. I mean, by this time next year, all these guys might not be in the room because there aren't going to be enough snaps to go around. I think that is entirely possible. But you've got Triquez Bridges, who's coming back, Dante Manning, former five-star recruit, 
Christian Gonzalez. Those are the guys who at the cornerback slots probably project as your your starters and regular players, right? Two of the three on the outside, maybe one on the inside, rotate around. We'll see how the how the new coaching staff wants to play that sort of thing. But then you've got Avante Dickerson, who was a pretty decently rated four-star recruit, Darren Barkins, and then Jalil Tucker and Jalil Florence coming in for the class of 2022. Those are just the corners, right? Then you got Bennett Williams, who's kind of a safety nickelback. Jeffrey Bassa, hopefully he'll be back at strong safety. I imagine he will. That hasn't been confirmed yet. That was a previous staff thing, but I bet you they put Jeffrey Bassa at strong safety. Steve Stevens is is coming uh, back to the Ducks on the back end of the defense as well in the secondary. So it's going to be a pretty brand new group. I mean, you're going to have at each of the four secondary positions, right? Your two outside corners and then your two safeties. Four different guys than you had a season ago. But somehow this is just a really talented and deep room. So a guy like Jalen Davies, who knows that he's capable of being a good player in college football. And we really did see that in the Alamo Bowl, right? He only played in two games. It was uh, Stony Brook early in the year. Once Oregon got up big, took longer than it needed to, but uh, once Oregon got up big and then the other game was in the Alamo Bowl. And so he made uh, a few tackles in that game. I liked his open field tackling ability and I thought he had some nice coverage moments as well. So he didn't see a lot of action and he looks at this cornerback room and I think it's a good sign that a guy like this is wanting to transfer away because he's not feeling you know, confident enough that he's going to be able to see the field regularly. That means he looks at the DB room and all the guys I've just mentioned, you know, Bridges and Manning and Gonzalez and everybody else. And he says, this is just going to be too tough of a competition. And that's a good thing. You want to have a bunch of talented guys in the room who can push one another, get the best out of each other and ultimately produce the highest level players in the secondary that you can. So Best of luck to to Jalen Davies. Nope, no hard feelings here. And again, this is uh, another transfer for the Ducks, but it's a relatively low impact transfer because he only played a couple games this past season. So I, I think Oregon is going to be fine. And I think that I'm just excited to see what this defensive staff can do with a bunch of guys. You know, Bossa in particular, I've talked about that. I wonder if they can get Dante Manning to pop. I mean, when you look at the DB room now, Dante Manning, five-star, Gonzalez, a four-star, Dickerson, a four-star, uh, Bridges, I believe, was a four-star as well, and then the two Jaleels are four-star recruits as well. So there's plenty of talent at that position, but anytime you see a five-star defensive player, typically that should be a guy who's automatically starting right away, and Manning you know, struggled as a true freshman. He, he did, and I, I think that if they can maximize his potential, he can turn into a lockdown corner. He's got all the physical tools to do that. We'll just have to see if he can fit schematically with what Oregon is going to do at the defensive end under Dan Lanning. Let's get to basketball because it's officially March, the most wonderful time of year. It is March Madness right up to the Masters. There's just there's no better one-two combo of sporting events in the world than March Madness and the Masters, in my humble opinion, which is, you know, what I get paid to come on here and do, and that's a good time. So it's the most wonderful time of year, and uh, those two things are part of it. Also, days are getting a little bit longer. Daylight Savings is coming up. All you golfers out there, you know how wonderful of a time it uh, is about to become. Suddenly, you can play 18 holes teeing off at 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. As we know, as it stands right now, Oregon basketball isn't where we would like them to be in terms of their standings. Talking about the men here, the women are you know, most likely going to get into the tournament. Shouldn't be a problem. The men, 
not where we would like them to be, not where they should be based on the talent that Dane Altman acquired in the transfer portal this uh, this last offseason, how much they had coming back. They should be in a better spot. There's no doubt. So there is a path. There There is a path. So it's that, that old Jim Carrey gif. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. And it's not that unreasonable that Oregon could still play themselves into the NCAA tournament as they sit right now. They're first four out. And this is before the, the Washington game on Thursday that I'm recording this. So here's how it plays out for the Ducks coming down the stretch. You have to beat Washington and Washington State. That's that's the first thing. Right now, the Ducks are 18 and 11. They're 11 and 7 in conference play. You have to win those two and the regular season with 20 wins. That's the first thing. And looking at each of those games, ESPN Basketball Power Index likes Oregon uh, 63.5% to win at Washington. The Huskies have played some better basketball over the last couple months than they did early in the year. I mean, the first meeting between these two schools in Eugene, Oregon ran them off the court. It was literally never a close game. Oregon scored the first 10 or 12 points uh, of the game, something like that. They had a 20-point lead before they even hit the half. It was never close. This is a different Washington team. They're playing a better brand of basketball, not a great brand, right? Oregon favored at almost 64%, according to BPI, on the road. That's telling, right? It's a game that Oregon should be able to win, but it's not going to be as easy, both because it's on the road and because Washington's playing better, it's not going to be as easy as it was before at Matthew Knight Arena. Here's what should give all of us Oregon basketball fans some pause. BPI's got Oregon underdogs Thursday in Pullman for the regular season finale against Washington State, led by uh, former USF head coach Kyle Smith. And USF, by the way, the WCC, they might get into uh, – the big dance if they can close the regular season strong enough, which, uh, you know, good for them. 33.5% is the number that BPI gives Oregon in terms of a percentage chance to win that game on the road. And there's a couple reasons why I think that number is so low. I'll tell you what they are after I tell you. Football season might be over, but basketball, as we know, talking about right now, full steam for pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. Betonline.net, your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, and so much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So what is this path for Oregon basketball? It's about what that Washington State game, according to ESPN, right? You have to win both. If, if Oregon loses either of these games to Washington or Washington State, teams that, you know, regardless of what BPI says, they should beat, they're going to have to just win the Pac-12 tournament to get in. That, that's the situation they'll put themselves in, and that's not a spot you want to be in. They were there. A couple years ago, they ended up getting the Sweet 16, losing to eventual national champions in Virginia. It's not a spot you want to be. They pulled a rabbit out of the hat that year. Not going to happen every time. It's too tough to do, especially in a conference that's got USC, UCLA, and Arizona staring down at you as the top three teams in this conference. All locks to the NCAA tournament in top four or five seats. So that... Um, that 33.5% number, 
is unfortunately telling for Oregon fans of a couple things. Number one, that the Washington State, who also started kind of slow this year, has come on better. And they played Oregon very close, had a three in the air, got off on time to send the game to overtime at Matthew Knight Arena a couple weeks ago. Now, Oregon was the better team that day, but it, it showed that Washington State is capable of playing with the Ducks and going home. They're only going to have an advantage. Will it be a rowdy environment? No, but just being on the road is tougher than than being at home. And that's a place where Oregon, this is point number two, Oregon has struggled on the road this year. They have not played their best basketball there. I mean, you know, the Utah-Colorado sweep, yeah, that was nice and all. Colorado looks like a pretty decent win now on, on the road. You know, still unfortunate that we blew a 15-point lead early to them at home. But that that Utah game on the road, kind of telling. That's not a very good Utah team. And Oregon, again, right down to the wire, Utah had a three in the air as time expired to tie the game. So there's... There's just a lot of question marks here about whether or not this team can show up on the road. And, and they've got to play with the same sort of urgency they've showed the last couple of games. Honestly, I know they lost against USC, and that was wildly disappointing. But USC is a good team. If they play that way, that style, that sort of intensity, that sort of focus, even if they're not shooting the ball well, they find a way to hang around in games, they will beat both of these Washington schools. But they have to sh they have to show that intensity. They have to play with that urgency of a team that can't afford to lose because they cannot. They they cannot afford to lose either of these games. It'll just be an absolute killer for their resume because of the bad losses that they've compiled this year somehow. And I was reading the latest bracketology for for bubble teams, and they were talking about Oregon. And <laughs> it was saying how I don't remember exactly who wrote it. It wasn't Lenardi, but they were basically saying that if there were ever a team that could come within one point of a sweep of the L.A. schools in a season like this and miss the tournament, it's Oregon. <laughs> That's 100% right. I mean, you shouldn't have taken three or four against a couple of top 15, top 20 teams and and find yourself battling just to get into the tournament. But it's a situation that Oregon, unfortunately, uh, finds themselves in. So that Washington State game will be tough. Uh, I wonder what will happen in Washington because of how the game went before, right? Because Oregon just ran them right off the court and Oregon is the better team in this game and they should win. What sort of, what sort of urgency, what sort of intensity are they going to come out with from the jump? That's what I'll be watching for first and foremost tomorrow night up in Seattle. And speaking of games in Seattle, by the way, uh, who remembers a couple of years ago, Peyton Pritchard hit, uh, hit that big, step back off balance game winner against the Huskies in a packed out uh, Alaska Airlines arena and Bill Raftery gave him an onions called onions. No, uh, oh, I love Bill Raftery, Bill Raftery gold standard of analysts in college basketball. He, he and Dickie V man, that's just, uh, they, they just represent college basketball. So very, very well, but that that's what has to happen this week. Got to be both the Washington schools. Then what? Oregon, according to Lenardi, has to get to the Pac-12 semifinals. How does that happen? You beat both Washington schools. What that does is it secures a top four seed. Now, Oregon is currently the fourth seeded team in the Pac-12, a game, a half game ahead of Colorado. So they control their own destiny for getting a first round bye. The top four get buys into the quarterfinals. And then if that happens, which We'll, we'll cross our fingers, not going to say should, uh, just because of how this Oregon team has played this year. But 
definitely could, highly possible, but not probable. Uh, you just you just never know. If they can get that number four seed, they then will have to win a game against either Oregon State, who clinched the 12 seed. They're the first team to clinch uh, a seed in the Pac-12, or the five seed, which is likely to be Colorado. There are a couple teams underneath that are chasing the buffs, but I think Colorado needs to win just one game to be the five seed. They'll probably take care of Oregon State because Colorado's a, a decent team that beat Arizona recently. They've been playing some good basketball. So if Oregon wins both Washington games and beats Colorado, right? Got to win three games in a row. According to Lenardi, they would be in. Now, that's not a, a guarantee because he said that about 10 days ago or so, or a week ago. And stuff can change, right? Bubble teams, uh, the quality of their resumes can change. And wins and losses, can change. It, it's it's an ever-evolving day-by-day ordeal. It's why I've been monitoring it so closely here on the show. So if they're able to beat Colorado, that would, that would probably be enough, right? You get to 20 wins, and Colorado, you know, assuming it is the buffs, would get you to 21, and that would be probably a quad two win, I imagine Colorado is, uh, that sort. And you'd be at 21 wins should should be enough. If you get to the Pac-12 tournament championship game, puts Oregon in a really good spot. That would be, again, this is assuming they beat both Washington schools, which is just so far from a given for a variety of reasons. But, you know, honestly, if they want to just win the conference tournament and uh, get the automatic bid, that'd be pretty hype. <laughs> that would be that would be a really nice thing for us as Duck fans. And, you know, it also give them a bunch of momentum going into the tournament, which is absolutely huge. But that's just not something that we can bank on. So beat both Washington schools. You're going to go up against either Colorado or Oregon State. Most likely will be Colorado, but we'll see how things play out. If you can win that quarterfinal game, get to the semis, according to Lenardi, that will be enough. So... A lot of gray area there matching the color of, of my shirt today for the Ducks. And it's the most wonderful time of year. I love March Madness. I love it even more when the Ducks are involved. Certainly hope that they will be. Uh, final word for today. Let's end on a high note because we had a player leaving and a murky next uh, 10 days for, for Oregon basketball. So let's end on a high note. After starting 0-3, Oregon, Oregon baseball, they've won five straight games. Oregon softball, they're 11-3. Go spring sports. We just like wins no matter where they're coming from. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.